Manhattan this morning. This is a great morning. I feel like I've been gone three weeks. Wait a minute. I've been gone three weeks. Whoa. So thank you, everybody, for taking your seats this morning. Um, I'm going to start off with the word. I'm in Psalm 51. For you delight not in sacrifice, or else would I give it. You find no pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, the sacrifice acceptable to God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, broken down with sorrow for sin, and humbly and thoroughly penitent. Such, O oh God, you will not despise. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we, you are helping us to learn not to focus on the external and the sacrifices that we give externally, but the internal. And you do not, as, as the verse in Lamentation says, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. This isn't for our uh, affliction or for our grief. We go through things, Lord, so that we can bring the sacrifice of a broken and a contrite heart to you. You know that we're going to be broken. You know that things will happen to us. And you are there as we willingly give things to you, as we willingly make room for you, as we willingly uh, deny uh, ourselves being in charge, ourselves running the show, and giving you the show. And this you delight in when we give you the reins, when we give you the steering wheel to our lives, Lord. You delight in this. And we know, Lord, that you are going to be there with us through the flames, through the flood, through the desert. You will be there. You will take our hand. You will carry us in the midst of the storm. And we thank you, Lord, so much for all that you do and all that you carry us through. We thank you, Lord. We ask for your blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And welcome, everybody. Welcome to those of us, those of you, rather, joining us online. Uh, we're glad to have you with us in spirits, uh, or if you're watching this later, glad to have you with us too. A uh, couple announcements, actually several announcements today. So open your ears, ready? Okay. Uh, there's an email sign-up sheet back there next to the offering box. Those are two things you wanna know about. There's a shelf back there, offering box. You can also give online um, at the website, which will be on the screen. Um, but yeah, if you wanna get our emails every week, sign up on that sheet. Or if you're watching and you wanna get emails, uh, send an email to Wow, what's on your screen there? And Naomi, where's Naomi? Uh, okay, well, it's okay. I got a task for her at some point, uh, some stuff to pass out. Um, the internet is up and running. Thanks to CJ for helping make that happen. We appreciate that. So the live stream is on. So if there's a week, yay! If there's a week you can't make it or one of the little ones is sick or something like that, uh, you can join us in real time online, which is always fun. Um, next, this coming Saturday. Saturday. Paul's yeah. going to tell you about something that's going to happen. Well, you can tell. I was just going to stand and, and encourage Sure. Them. You want to grab the mic and do it? Okay. I used to go door to door with my dad, who was a pastor, and it was not my favorite thing to do. Now, it is my favorite thing to do. And I'm going to be going door to door out here, and I'd like to take a few of you along 
Naomi is ready to go, as you can probably expect, that she's uh, signed up. So you don't have to lead the pack, but uh, would love to have a group of people. And let me know if that's something that you would be willing to be a part of. Uh, yeah, so we're just going to go around. We're just going to put them in the doorway, or uh, if we see people, of course, we'll stop and we'll talk to them. So that's the plan for Saturday at 10.30. Great, so that's this Saturday at 10.30. Please give Paul a call if you'd like to come. Is that still the case, Paul? Or if you're willing to come. Or if you're willing to come, <laughs> even if you don't want to, but you're going to, give, give Paul a call. Uh, that's Saturday at 10.30. Um, we're going to be starting a church-wide prayer meeting on Tuesdays. Uh, we won't meet this Tuesday, but starting next Tuesday, we're going to meet probably every other week, or if people like it and want to keep praying, we'll meet every week. Uh, Tuesday at 10.30 in the morning. I know that rules some of us out, um, but that's a time that works for a number of people. So Tuesdays at 10.30, starting next Tuesday, and I'll announce that again next and week. Here. And it'll be right here like back at the tables or something. And that's just praying for the church, praying for the people in the church, uh, praying for the Twin Cities. Prayer is a really important part of church life. Amen? Amen? And there is something good and special about community prayer and coming together as a body to pray uh, for one another. So think about that on your schedule as you look forward, whether or not you might have a morning slot on Tuesdays available. Also, next mm -hmm. Sunday we'll be having lunch after the service, so if you are able to grab some food on your way to church and bring it to share, that would be great. And if you're not able to, please stay and eat with us anyway, because we love fellowship time and food helps fellowship time. Jesus was really good at that. You ever notice that? A lot of his ministry revolved around food. <laughs> Eating at a table. Uh, if he didn't have a table, he just made the food miraculously. And it's a good thing. It, it, it facilitates fellowship, which is awesome. And so next week, bring something to share. And Paul, do you want to come up with and uh, do some prayers for us as, you, as we kind of head on into worship? Yeah. I know there's still a number of people who need some healing. Uh, Luann, did you want to give a real brief update on your newest grandson? Yes, um, little Sammy, he's uh, five and a half weeks. Um, he's going to be going to Children's Hospital, Children's Hospital uh, on Thursday, and they're going to be doing um, the kidney test and the bladder test uh, to find out what's wrong. And uh, we're hoping and praying that God, God will heal him before he even gets there. Uh, but if not, you know, the Lord will be with him in what is wrong, and we will be able to fix it. He had another issue. Actually, two other issues come up. So he's uh, on an antibiotic right now uh, about another issue that is, is happening. And I, it's just, you know, when, when a child is born with problems, that's always tough, tough on the parents. And they have two other small children. So... Yeah, so yep. you remember him. Oh, yeah, you remember. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's Matthew. He's in D.C. now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, got a pretty important job in D.C. So why don't you go ahead and pray that? 
Okay. Lord, we just thank you for Sammy. We thank you uh, that he has a, a future and a hope in you, Lord, that he is going to be a mighty man of God. We rebuke every scheme and plot and plan of the enemy against him in Jesus' name and with the blood of Jesus Christ. And we speak in your good plan, Lord, into his life. We thank you, Lord, that you are healing him right now, you, that he is in the midst of your presence, Lord, and he is in the midst of being healed at this moment in Jesus' name. You are the living God, and everything must bow at your knee, Lord, at the knee. Everything must bow, Lord, at, at the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we fill him with your name, with your spirit, with your word, with your presence. In Jesus' name, Lord. And we thank you that he is being healed this moment and beyond in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that when they come uh, the end of August, they will have a good report in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We bless Tim Duick. He had a blowout on the freeway on the way up, so we're, we bless him as he is getting that uh, repaired and pray that uh, you would facilitate that for him so he could be with us. We bless our new friends who are with us we thank you for bringing people here to our family we thank you for this family and uh, we thank you that you love your word tells us that you love to hear our prayers and so we enjoy focusing on you calling you our father and believing that everything good that's included in that name, Father, comes down to us, even as we say it. We ask for your peace to settle upon us. We ask for your joy to be uh, rich in our lives. We, all those things that belong to us as your children, we thank you that we inherit it through the saving work of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for us. And so we acknowledge our need, we, we uh, confess our sins before you, and ask you to forgive us for those quick words, those unkind words, those thoughts that were not focused on you, for anything in our life that's out of order. We pray, bring it into order, Lord, because we want to worship you with joy and in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And let's just state an attitude of prayer as we prepare our hearts for worship. I encourage all of you to press pause on all the stuff going through your mind and going through your heart right now. Uh, and let's refocus on the Lord now for a while. There's a lot of noise in the world. A lot of it is great. A lot of it is terrible. And a lot of it is just life. And let's take a moment just to flip the station and spend some time listening to the Lord and worshiping the Lord for who he is so that we can love him with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? Amen. So let's worship the Lord. I want to start by just letting you lift up to the Lord whatever is in your heart. You can do it out loud. You can do it to yourself. This is a just between you and God kind of thing. And don't, parents, don't worry about kids. You can move around during this time. We're used to noise. Doesn't bother us. 
Everybody can feel free to sit, stand, move around. Just speak to the Lord from your heart. Tell the Lord how sometimes you're annoyed that life doesn't work out exactly how you like it. <laughs> Tires blow out. Guitars, it w guitar strings get tangled. Lord, help us in our weakness. We've come to worship you this morning, Lord for all that you are, all that you've done, all that you're yet to do. We thank you that you are so much bigger than we are. You're bigger than our circumstances. You're bigger than our problems. You're bigger than any giants that we might face. Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. Universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy, Lord of heaven and earth. Lord of heaven and earth. Early in the morning. I will celebrate the light. When I stumble in the darkness, I will call your name by night. God of wonders, God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy, Lord of heaven and earth. Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. 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 God of wonders beyond our galaxy. 
Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So what we're doing now is we're remembering Jesus in a very special way. We're remembering the cross of Jesus. We're remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. We're remembering how he did it to the devil at the cross. He devastated the devil at the cross. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He said it twice now. For as Often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, it's a proclamation, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of Jesus. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So, we examine ourselves. This isn't cross-examination. This is self-examination, and it is, it is not to beat ourselves up. It's to see if there's anything that we want to deal with, anything that could get in the way of receiving this in a worthy manner. So we just pause for a moment of silence as we uh, prepare our hearts to receive. And then we'll just come up and gather here together uh, while we're continuing to worship, and they will offer you the... Uh, bread and the wine or the juice, and uh, you hold on to it until uh, we're ready to take it together, and then we'll receive it together. So just take a moment now. So we remember you, Jesus. We remember your great sacrifice on our behalf, how you endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and you were set down at the right hand of the Father. We thank you. We remember as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. So, I invite you to come forward. We're gathering around here, and Steve and Luann will uh, distribute it. So just come here and uh, together. Kids are welcome as well. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let a rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O oh sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Lay down your burdens, lay down your shame, and all who are broken, lift up your face, wanderer come. There's hope for the hopeless and all those who've strayed. Come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, the rest that endures. Earth has no sorrows that heaven can cure. Earth has Lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, wanderer, come home. You're not too far. So lay down your Shame. 
By your Bible there? So, you probably heard of communitas. As I'm looking out, I see three couples that were a part of communitas, if not as a couple, as individuals. Aaron was a friend of Bob Newman. You guys remember Bob Newman, and uh, Aaron was there, and uh, his wife, Rachel, congratulations, and their, their dancing daughter is Ava. Good morning, Ava. I'm introducing you. And then Nick and Tabitha and two kiddos. Their names are? Milo and Everett, congratulations. My, your name came up for uh, commendation when I was with my son Israel yesterday and we were, yeah. My friend too. Oh, your friend too. She wants to be introduced. You want to introduce her? You know her name? Her name is Bella. Uh, okay, well, thank you. That was very nice of you, Ava, to make sure that we didn't forget your friend. That's good. So, we have a tree situation, and Nick happens to be an expert at uh, trees. 
what to do with them, not just climb them, but to deal with them. And so I think he might be calling you, or I might be sending a picture to you, because we need some advice. And then Ron and Phyllis. But I don't know, that we were there. did we introduce you last time? Okay, we're doing it again. You're still welcome. Yeah, you're still welcoming. welcome. And you guys have been here a while, so I don't want to introduce you. That would be an insult. So, but uh, <laughs> this is twice. Okay. Well, then uh, introduce her. So this is Nova, Nova Eden Ellis, and uh, she was born on the twenty-second of June this year. So she's nice and fresh, and sleepy, super sleepy and poopy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, she's she's a joy, and uh, got our two sons as well, Teo and Beckett. Beckett's floating around somewhere with Naomi, but uh, yeah, I love being here, of course. Wonderful. Families are so special. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, let's continue to worship the Lord this morning. This one's uh, an oldie by my standards. So you probably know it. Thank you. So feel free to, again, stand, sing, dance, whatever you are led to do. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. When I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. And blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me and the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in love, still I will say, Blessed be your name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away. You give and take away. 
my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away. You give and take away. Still my heart will choose to say, oh, Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Yes, Lord, we thank you, whether we're in times of plenty or in want, whether we're in a season of sunshine and rainbows and happiness or a season of struggle and suffering and giants, we praise you. Either way, mountain or valley, we thank you that you never give up on us. We confess and ask forgiveness for the times we have given up, for the times we've looked at our circumstances instead of looking at you. That we've seen things from our own perspective instead of looking down from yours. We confess that and we ask you to help us, Lord. We thank you that you, you have never stopped pursuing us. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Fought for me. 
You have been so, so good to me. And I felt no worth. You paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away, holy overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Shadow, you won't light up. Mountain, you won't climb up. Come back after me. Snow wall, you won't kick down. Lie, you won't tear down. Coming after me. Snow shadow, you won't light up. Mountain, you won't climb up. Coming after me. Snow wall, you won't kick down. Lie, you won't tear down. Coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. I won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, I won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie won't tear down, coming after me. No, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. No, it chases me down, but still I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Holy, overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Holy, overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending Reckless love of God Yeah! 
We thank you, Lord, for your love that never ends, that never fails, that never runs out, that never abandons. Thank you that you are so faithful, even when we're not. I pray that we could become rooted and grounded in your love for us. That your love for us would be the defining thing about who we are. That if someone asks, who are you? You could say, I'm a beloved child of God. And that's what matters most. We confess the times that we've gotten distracted from that. Turned to other things. Turned to the world or just got sidetracked by life being busy. Help us not to forget our first love, Lord. I don't know if it's easy enough to turn back to the shadow part, but when you look at that, it's just such a great reminder that we're doing these things to ourselves. God's coming after us when we go hide in the shadows and when we put up walls and when we're believing the lies and he's still so willing and so reckless in his love that he's coming after us even when we might not want to be found, when we're hiding in the shadows, when we're putting up the walls because of the, probably the lies we're believing that we've told ourselves, that we've heard from others, he's still just so reckless. He's leaving the 99, which is a reckless thing to do. If you have 99 sheep that are doing pretty well, you don't leave them and go get the one, but he's, he's reckless for us. And um, it's good to remember it's, I think it's easier, at least for me, to be like, okay, this is a really tough thing that somebody else is doing to me. God's on my side. Let's do this. But when it's your own lies and your own shadows and your own whatever it is, I think it's harder to be like, oh, yeah, God's going to rescue me. It's my, when it's your own fault, you're just kind of hiding in your shadows. So he's coming after you no matter what the reason is. Anyone else have a word they feel is from the Lord for the group? The, the women's prayer time, um, I was happen, happened to be looking at Psalm 78. And uh, just goes along with what you're reminding us of, Sarah, and the, and the song. Uh, but I was struck as there was a lot of complaining going on in this passage. And I just remembered that that was what was happening here. And, and what happens to us when things are not going exactly the way we think would be good. And the words I wrote down was yet. 
yet he was merciful, and yet he is merciful. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, we don't think about it much, but complaining is a sign of a lack of faith. That's what it says in the Bible. The Israelites all died in the wilderness because they complained instead of believing. Yikes. <laughs> right? Father, help us. We are weak. We are all three years old somewhere deep down. And we just want what we want. And we don't like anything that hurts. And we don't like anything that's tough or hard to do. So help us to learn to mature, to learn to walk with you, to hold your hand in everything that's going on in life and trust that you know what you're going, where we're going, you know what we're doing, and you're going to get us where we need to be. And help us to fight against that complaining spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to say a prayer, especially for the young families. Because we remember, it was a long time ago, but we remember that that can be a difficult time. It's a wonderful time. It's a blessed time. But it's a time when you lose sleep. Sometimes you lose nerves. And so I bless the young couples with young children. We pray that you would give them courage. We pray that you would give them sleep. We pray that you would give them Good feelings toward one another, mom and dad together. Strong feelings of love and uh, times together. And that the, the kids would be a huge, ongoing, nonstop blessing. When we have children, we are blessed of the Lord. And so let that blessing predominate throughout their life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we are passing out some sheets of paper and pens. Please grab a sheet of paper and grab a pen if you don't already have one. Hopefully there are enough pens there to go around. We're going to do a listening prayer exercise. A lot of you are familiar with these. Some of you maybe not. And so what, what I did is I wrote some very short prayers on a piece of paper. And you're going to take them one at a time. And you're going to pray them to the Lord. Maybe read it through once, read it through twice, just on your own. This is an on your own, between you and God exercise. Um, read it and just listen and write down whatever you think you hear. Um, you're not guaranteeing what you're writing down is like prophecy or anything like that necessarily. It's just what comes to your mind. And then afterwards, you can go back and look at it and see if you think, hey, maybe this is the Lord. The best way to get good at something is to practice, right? We know that about just about everything in life. The best way to get good is to practice. So the best way to get better at hearing the voice of God is to practice. And this is one of the ways that we can do that. And so we're going to do it together this morning. So I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to, we're going to give a while to this, OK? So you can take them in order, listen for a minute or so, and just write down what's in your head. This is an opportunity, though, to turn off your brain for just a second. Turn off the analytical part of your brain. We're not going to overthink this stuff. I want you to. Learn to use the listening part of your brain. I don't know how to use that word properly. <laughs> um, open your spiritual ears, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So in other words, the first one is, Father, is there anyone I need to forgive? That's almost always the first one. Some of you are probably laughing. Um, 
It's almost always the first one because it's so important, okay? And because it's the question God always answers. If there's someone you need to forgive, he will tell you. Because that's how important forgiveness is. That's why Jesus came, was for forgiveness. And so just open your mind, and if you think of something, write it down. And then later on, you might go back and say, hey, I think I do need to forgive that person. But don't write it down and say, nah, I don't need to write that down. I already forgave that person once. I don't need to do it again. The Holy Spirit might be telling you, you do need to do it again. Okay, so just write it down. So Father God, speak to us during this time. We thank you, Jesus, that you said that your sheep would hear your voice. And we are the sheep of your pasture, Jesus. And so we thank you that we can hear your voice. And that just like a sheep learns to hear the voice of their shepherd from a young age and just listening, listening, listening all the time to their shepherd, we pray that you would help us to listen more and listen better so that we can learn to recognize your voice just as well. So we pray for this time. We ask you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to take a few minutes. Just take them one at a time. Write down whatever comes up. Question, Father, is there anything I'm spending time on now that I should stop instead of had? That I should stop or cut back? 
when you get finished and we're not in a rush, so keep listening. Um, when you get finished, I want you to answer the question. You can do it at the bottom, or you can do it on the other side. If God is saying something to me right now, what might that be? Just kind of an overall, if God is saying something to me right now, what might that be? And just write a sentence or two. Try to wrap it up in the next minute or so. If God is saying something to you right now, what might that be? And just start writing. You're not necessarily prophesying to yourself. You're just kind of saying, what if? Okay, if you are still writing, you may continue to write by all means. The rest of us, I encourage you to open up your Bible and stick that in there. Stick that sheet in there. And sometime over the next week, take a look at it again. And maybe even do that twice, maybe during your quiet time or just a random time in the day. And try to look at that again and say, was God speaking to me then or is he now? Sometimes the process of learning how to hear God's voice doesn't happen in the two minutes you might have per question here, but it's more of a long-term thing, especially if your personality is one that takes longer to process things. Sometimes it might take you long, a little longer to hear or to discern or to judge whether or not it's the voice of God. So I encourage you to take it out again later and look at this and say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to tell me right now? What are you trying to tell me these days? And continue to pursue that. The Lord loves to speak to his kids, and the better we learn how to listen, the better that goes, right? One-sided communication typically doesn't go super awesome. If you have a relationship where they do all the talking and you never get a word in, that's not as great, right? And so God wants it to be a two-way street, amen? So as long as you have your Bible open, stick in a sheet in there, turn to Luke 7. We started Luke chapter 7 uh, two weeks ago. And I'm going to continue that now. Luke chapter 7, we are skipping a section that we'll probably get to like maybe next week. We're going to start in verse 18. Luke 7, verse 18. I'll, I'll read this uh, little section that we're going to go over today, and then we'll jump into it. But first, Father God, we thank you that you sent your word to us. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. 
and died for us so that we could join you forever in eternity. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. We pray that you would open up your word to us now, Holy Spirit. As Jesus promised you would, Jesus said that he would, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, would remind us of everything that you had said, Jesus, and would lead us into all truth. And we believe you, Jesus. We take you at your word. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead us into truth now as we look at the words of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Luke 18, or sorry, Luke 7, 18. The disciples of John, this is John the Baptist, okay? John the Baptist had disciples just like Jesus did. In fact, Jesus' first two disciples were disciples of John the Baptist, and they jumped ship. That was John and James, who were Jesus' cousin. You got to go with your cousin. Uh, the disciples of John reported all these things to him. That's John. So what's all these things? The stuff Jesus has been doing. Okay, so John's disciples were following Jesus around for a while, watching what he did. And he, they went back and reported all these things to John. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, he's in prison right now, by the way. Herod put him in prison. So John is in prison, and so he can't go see Jesus, but he sends his disciples who come back with reports. And he sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And in that hour he, that's Jesus, healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on whom and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he, Jesus, answered them, go tell John what you have seen and heard. So he doesn't give a yes or no answer. Jesus seldom does, right? Are you the one? Well, you know what? You testify as to whether or not I'm the one. You do that. I'm not going to tell him. You tell him. He says this to all of us, by the way. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. And then he gives three examples. Um, miracles and reaching out to the poor and another one. He answered them saying, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the poor of the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So that was Jesus' response. Back to John. So pause here. What is going on? Because this is John the Baptist. Paul's preached on this a little bit before. This is John the Baptist. This is the guy. The guy who had the revelation about who Jesus was, right? He's baptizing at the Jordan River a few months ago. People are coming out. Even the leaders are coming out to him. Some of the, even the leaders are repenting and being baptized. He sees Jesus and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, John knew who Jesus was. So what's going on? Like, isn't this weird? This should strike us as really strange that John, of all people, does this. Now, we see this sometimes in the Bible. Even after great victories, sometimes the people of God doubt. Okay, John is doubting here. Happened to Elijah, happened to King David, it happened to others. And here it's happening to John the Baptist. But why? Why is he doubting? That's what I want us to look at today. Why is he doubting? And he says, are you the one? So he is doubting who Jesus is. He's doubting that Jesus is really the Messiah. And he, of all people, had the most reason to know for sure Jesus was the Messiah. 
He, he had faith. He believed. And now he was doubting. So what happened? What happened to John? That he went from knowing exactly who Jesus was to now totally doubting who Jesus is. This is a dangerous place to be, right? Especially when you're in prison and you could really use God's help. So why? John had a great revelation about Jesus. What happened? What happened? Well, <coughs> Jesus' response, I think, shows us what happened. So he responds to John with three things. He says, well, tell John what you have seen and heard. Lots of miracles. And he lists the recent ones he's done here in Luke. Right? And then he says, the poor have the good news preached to them. And that's evidence that that's who, because that's who the Messiah is, right? And that's in Isaiah, it's in other places. That's evidence of who the Messiah is. And then we get the curious line, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now that sounds like a pull-out Bible verse. I've heard that quoted out of context many times before. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. But this is part of Jesus' response to John. He tacks this on the end. Why? Well, I think the Spirit of God spoke to Jesus and said, John's offended by you. So I think Jesus says, look, tell him what you've seen and heard, miracles, preaching to the poor, and give him this personal message for me. And then he gives him this prophetic word, this word of knowledge. Tell John, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Because Jesus knew John was offended. That's what happened. What happened to turn John from being someone who knew exactly who Jesus was to someone who was doubting was he took offense. He took offense at something Jesus did. And Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, knew John had took offense. And so he let John know that he knew that. Which was a nice little prophetic bump to, to encourage John, hey, deal with that, friend. Deal with that. And a few verses later, he calls John the greatest man ever born. Ever born. So he's a fan of John, okay? He is team John the Baptist, for sure. He's got all the trading cards and everything. And so he wants to restore John. He sees that John has become lost. He's lost his faith. He's starting to doubt who Jesus is. And Jesus wants to restore him, and so he gives him a prophetic word. It's a little bit of a tough one, because if you're in a spot where you're taking offense and someone says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. That's like, ooh, ow. And so Jesus is hoping that John will take that word and that that will lead him to repentance. Because that offense was so strong that it shook John to the point where he no longer believed who Jesus was. It's crazy. This is John the Baptist, folks. So offense is a pretty big deal. Taking offense is a pretty big deal. Now let's look at uh, verse 18 again. So the disciples of John reported all these things to him. So something that John's disciples reported to John led John to take offense at Jesus. He said, go show me what the guy's doing. They came back and they reported, and John took offense. And that offense was strong enough to get him angry, probably, and to lead him to doubt, to the point where he said to send his disciples, are you even the one? Are you even the one? So what happened? What was it? Um, it? We don't know. Spoiler alert. We don't know for sure. I'm going to talk about it for a second, but we don't know 100%. Um, it could have been something Jesus did. 
It could have been something Jesus did not do. Or it could have been something about the way Jesus was, about Jesus himself, that John took offense to. Um, if we look at this first story in Luke that we talked about two weeks ago at the beginning of Luke 7, um, we see Jesus working with the Jewish elders, okay, working with the Pharisees in order to heal the servant of a Roman centurion. And I mentioned during that sermon, hey, this is something a lot of people probably would have taken offense to. Maybe he took offense to that. Maybe he took offense to the fact that what are you doing healing a Roman? We are the Messiah. You didn't come for them. What are you doing working with the Pharisees? We don't know. What was it that he took offense to? Well, keep your finger here and um, flip to Matthew chapter 3. Keep your finger here and flip to Matthew chapter 3. And I'm going to give a little context about John. This is, <laughs> yeah, this is. Matthew 3, starting with verse 7. Uh, no, let's start with, yeah, verse 7. But when he, that's John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his, for his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to raise from these stones children of Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. How'd you like to get that prophecy? Anybody? Anybody want to sign up for that one? Okay, so John the Baptist and the Pharisees had a little tension. Anybody notice that? Does that not really jump out at you. You brood of vipers. That's not a nice thing to say. Vipers, snakes in general, in the Old Testament, not exactly positive thing to be called most of the time, right? Vipers in particular, a brood of vipers that reproduce other vipers and wait for people, unwilling people, to fall in so you can kill them. It's not a good image, right? Vipers are not a good image. Now, I... I'm actually a fan of vipers because I have uh, hypertension and the drug I take is made from a Brazilian pit viper venom. Uh, it's the most common uh, drug for blood pressure. So thanks to that particular viper, I have lower blood pressure. So praise God. God can redeem anything, even the vipers, even the Pharisees. But John the Baptist didn't particularly want God to redeem the Pharisees. That's Nate's opinion. Because he says, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? It wasn't me. I wouldn't warn you to flee from the coming wrath. I'd rather you have a whole bunch of wrath. Big old bag of wrath. Because you guys stink. You're ruining it. You're doing it all wrong. And you're leading all the children to do it all wrong. And when Messiah comes, he's going to kick you guys out and take over. And it's going to be right. I think that's what John thought. That's what a lot of people thought. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. That's like a prophetic version of a threat kind of thing, right? Little thready thing. Now, by the way, I'm not saying anything John says here is bad. I'm not saying it's wrong, and I'm not saying he shouldn't have said it. I'm simply bringing up the fact that he's not a huge fan of the Pharisees. You know, he had the jersey for a while, but then he got rid of it. You know, no, hates these guys big time. 
He was always an outsider. John's very anti-establishment, right? We see that. I mean, they, when they talk about how he wears camel hair shirts and eats locusts, he's, he's out there, right? He's not part of the establishment, OK? He doesn't vote for one party or the other. He votes for Kanye, you know? And nothing against Kanye, but um, he's, he's just a little outside, OK? And part of that was his calling. He was called to be outside. He was called to live in caves. That, that was part of his calling, but it was also part of his personality. And so he's not a huge fan of the Pharisees, OK? And um, now John gets word from his disciples that Jesus is working with the Pharisees in Capernaum to heal a Roman centurion servant, of all people. I don't know that he would have been super happy about that. I think, G I think John did expect Messiah to overthrow the religious order and take over. That's part of this prophecy. The ax is even now laid at the bear at the root of the tree, right? And that would happen. Jesus would overthrow, and he would start something new, but not in the way they were expecting. He didn't fire the Sanhedrin and take over, and then fire Herod and take over, and then boot out the Romans. That's what everybody assumed Messiah was going to do. I think John probably assumed Messiah was going to do most of that. John was very concerned about the religious hierarchy in particular. He wanted the true religion of God to come forth, not this legalistic nonsense that had sort of taken over. And he was right to want that, right? John was correct. Um, but Jesus didn't do it. He didn't do any of that. Um, he did have some contention with the Pharisees, right? But a lot of that contention was because Jesus was a Pharisee. He was one of them. But the way you become a rabbi in the Pharisaic tradition is you're supposed to be trained by a famous rabbi, and that gives you your authority to say, I am a rabbi because I was taught by Nicodemus. I am a rabbi, and my authority is I was taught by Gamaliel. That's what Saul, later Paul, he was taught by Gamaliel, right? Well, Jesus was a rabbi. Everybody called him rabbi. He was a Pharisee, too. But where did his authority come from? His father. And the Pharisees did not like that. They didn't like that he claimed that, and they didn't like that he didn't go through their rules. You're supposed to go to our school and get ordained by us, or you can't do that. And Jesus is saying, well, I'm doing it. And let me ask you this. OK? And the Pharisees did not like that at all, and to the point where they eventually execute him, right? They're the ones behind the drive to get Jesus killed. Uh, but the reality is Jesus was a Pharisee, not, not in the same way that they were Pharisees, but he was. Everybody called him rabbi. Even the Pharisees at some point called him rabbi. So even they acknowledged that he was from God in some way, even though they hated that. Now imagine John the Baptist hearing this stuff. What? He's a rabbi. He's supposed to kick all the rabbis out. They stink. That's the whole point. What is happening? He's working with these guys now? What? Given his history with the Pharisees and what he said about them, I think John would not have been super happy about that. And I think, that, I think this stuff is probably what John took offense to. Now, we don't know for sure that's what it was. Um, we'll find out in heaven. But I think it was something along these lines, um, or a combination of reasons, right? Could be a combination of things. Maybe he didn't like that Jesus drank like literally every day of his life, alcohol. John had sworn off alcohol as a vow. 
Maybe John had a problem with the fact that Jesus did not do that. Quite the opposite. People called him a drunk. He wasn't a drunk. But people called him that because he drank. Maybe John took offense at that. I know Christians who've taken offense at that, the fact that Jesus drank alcohol, to the point where they try to spin interesting tales about how, well, it was mostly water with a few drops of wine in it. It's like, that's not true. There's no historical record that's true. A little bit watered down, sure, but watered down wine still has booze in it, right? He just didn't get drunk. He didn't sin. So there were a number of things John could have taken offense at, but I think this whole, he didn't do what John wanted him to do, and instead, he did this stuff with the people that he despised the most. You can understand how John could take offense to this, right? He had given his whole life to this. He was in prison, and I think he knew he wasn't getting out. And he's got to be thinking, what was it all for? He's not even doing the stuff. Are you even the guy? Are you even the guy? Did I waste my entire life eating locusts, which I hate? I don't know if he hated them. I don't understand why he would like them. And this is John the Baptist. This is the guy who, when Jesus was baptized, he, along with everyone there, heard the Father himself say, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He heard God say that. This is my beloved Son. And yet, John, because he took offense, he's so upset that he's like, are you, though? But you heard God say it. I know. But are you, though? Because, man, you're not doing what I expect. You're not doing what I want. You're doing stuff I really dislike, actually. And he wouldn't say really dislike. He's like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You should not do that, God. Anybody ever thought that? Anybody ever said that? You don't say yes, you're a liar. Liar! I've said that plenty of times. God, by the way, you're doing it wrong. It's supposed to be this way. John took offense, and that offense was so strong that it led even John to doubt. The greatest man ever born to doubt God. It's crazy. It is a crazy story. But that is how strong offense can be. That's how dangerous it is to take up offense. Offense is a choice. Okay? Taking offense at someone or something is a choice. You can't stop people from doing things that you might find offensive. You, you have no control over stopping that. But it's your choice to say, you know what? I'm just going to leave that be. Versus, you know what, I'm going to take that offense, and I'm going to put it in my heart and let it grow and fester and lead to anger and lead to doubt and all this bad stuff. That's a choice, right? Offense is a choice. Taking offense is a choice. People often say, this person offended me, pointing at my son, hasn't offended me that much. Um, this person has offended me. But what they should say is, this person did something that I found offensive, and I chose to take that offense and put it in my heart. Because that's what's actually happening. We may not realize we're making a conscious choice, but it's an act of our will. Taking offense is an act of our will. We choose to take that offense. We could leave it and just forgive. And that's the better choice, right? But whatever it was that happened, whatever thing or combination of things that happened, John couldn't let it go. And he took it. And it festered into something nasty. So that he went as far as sending his disciples to say, are you even the one? Which means he already doesn't believe it. He's not questioning. He doesn't believe it at that point. You don't send your disciples to say, are you the one, if you think maybe he is. <laughs> you get in trouble, right, if he's the one. He wanted proof. 
And the proof Jesus gave him was, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Ouch. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit touched John in that moment, and I believe that he, his eyes were open to what he had done to some degree, and I believe he repented because it seems clear from Scripture that he did believe in Jesus when he died. Okay? So I believe this worked. It worked, praise God. But how amazing that even John the Baptist could come to this point. So if you've ever had a season of doubt in your life, so did the greatest man ever born. So, you know, you can be forgiven a little doubt. It's not the worst thing in the world, as long as you turn from it, right? Let go of the doubt. And maybe that doubt that you had came from some sort of offense that you took up. Taking offense is a choice. We can let it go. It's totally our decision whether or not we take offense at what somebody says or something that God does or whatever. It's totally our choice to take that offense up. And we need to realize that it's our choice so that we can realize that you have the free will to say no to that. I don't have to pick up that offense. My goal is to become unoffendable. I would like to be unoffendable. Nothing anybody says or does can offend me. And if you had asked me a year and a half, Nate, Pastor Nate, are you unoffendable? I would have said, yes, I am, son. Praise God. Uh, well, over the last year and a half, I must confess, this is a safe place, right? I can confess something. You guys won't judge me too much. Um, there were a couple times when I made the bad choice to take up offense over the last year and a half. And it was a bad decision. And it didn't work out for me. It wasn't good. It didn't help me in any way to be offended. It didn't help me in any way to carry, to hold on to that thing that was done to me. The problem with taking offense is that you make that situation or that trauma or whatever it was, you keep it in the present. When you take offense, it's not something that happened in the past. It's always something that is always happening right now. It's continuous. And it's bad for you. Um, so, you know, I, I had to realize, hey, I did this and repent and confess that before the Lord and receive forgiveness and then forgive, you know, any parties that were involved in that. Um, so now I, I've humbled myself and said, okay, God, I'm not there yet. I am not yet undefendable, but I would like to get there. And I believe that is an attainable goal if you walk by the Spirit. What do you think, Paul? Paul has said before that he is unoffendable, and I believe it. I've tried. <laughs> it's offensive how unoffendable he is. Um, no, but I mean, I've, I've said or done things to Paul that weren't you know, super kind from time to time, and he's always just taken it. Okay? He's unoffendable. I, I'm trying to get there. We can all get there. I think it's a goal that we should all have. We, that we can walk with the Lord to the point where we are not offendable from other people. Um, but the, the, the passage today is talking about being offended at God. So I wanted to spend a moment talking about that. And I want us to think about whether or not we have taken offense at God at some point. Or maybe we're even holding on to an offense right now. So this is one of those points where you can either put up your armor and refuse to walk forward, or you can humble yourself and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to humble myself. And if 
I've done this, I would like to know so that I can repent. So make a choice on which one you want to do moving forward. If you want to put it through walls, I will not take offense. But Okay, so have you taken up offense against God? Did you have really good reasons to do that like John the Baptist thought he did? Is there something that God has done that you thought that was the wrong thing to do? You took that person to heaven too soon. You made me this way. You made my kid that way. You caused this to happen, that to happen. Or is it something that maybe God didn't do that you were expecting him to do? Anytime you have an expectation that is not met, that leads to disappointment. Disappointment's natural. It's not a sin to be disappointed. But I have found that disappointment can lead to taking offense pretty easily. So has there been something that God hasn't done for you that bothered you to the degree that you took an offense? And sometimes real faithful folks, religious folks, will refuse to admit that they have taken offense at God or anything like that or that they're disappointed at God. But that can be a shell, right? Sometimes we're just saying that to others or even to ourselves to refuse to admit what we feel deep down. And whenever that voice comes out and says, I really don't like that God didn't do this thing that I expected him to do, we go, shut up, voice. Instead of dealing with that voice and dealing with that thing and saying, okay, why do I feel that way? And it could, it could, it could be anything. It could be a healing that you have been praying for God to do that he hasn't done. What's the deal? Why haven't you healed her? Why haven't you healed me? I could take offense at God for having prayed my entire life to be healed of my stuff, and he hasn't healed me yet. Is that disappointing? You betcha. Very Norwegian there. You betcha. I'm not going to lie and say, I'm not disappointed in God. God can do anything he wants. I am the clay in his hands. You know what? It's disappointing that I'm not healed yet. But I'm not going to take offense at it. I'm going to let it go. Every day, sometimes, I have to choose to do that. To let it go and to keep praying for healing anyway but that's not always easy so is it something God hasn't done that maybe you took offense at uh, maybe you were praying for a breakthrough and it didn't happen maybe you were praying something for that child or that grandchild and it didn't happen maybe it was about a job maybe it was about a calling maybe you felt God had a calling for you and it just never materialized whatever it might be is there something God hasn't done for you or for a loved one that really disappoints you to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm upset about that. If you're angry, that, that's, that's a sign that you maybe took up an offense. Um, or is it something about who Jesus is specifically that offends you? Like I said, I, I, I know people who are offended by the fact that Jesus drank alcohol just about every day. They find that offensive. I know somebody who was offended by the fact that Jesus chose to be a homeless person for three years. I've met Christians who have chosen to be homeless, and they say God is directing them to do that. And I'll be honest with you, my first instinct is to quietly and kindly disabuse them of that notion, because I don't think that's probably real. But maybe it is. God told Jesus to be homeless for three years, and he obeyed. 
There's a number of things Jesus did or didn't do that you could take offense at. I know people who have been offended at the fact that Jesus didn't choose any women to be in the 12. That would have been a great opportunity, right? Why didn't you do that? You know, they didn't understand the whole, like, Jesus is recreating a new version of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they were men, and they had to be men, and that sort of thing. It was just offensive to this person, okay? Some people have found it offensive that Jesus didn't condemn a whole number of things. Jesus could have said, oh, FYI, slavery, evil. Never do that. It would have been kind of nice if Jesus had said that, right? There's a number of things that it would have been kind of nice if Jesus had said, and he did not. I know people who've taken offense at those things. And so any offense, it's going to come between you and God in one way or another, right? And if it sits there and festers, then it can wreck, straight up wreck your relationship with God. You could even end up doubting. And I know people, you've probably all talked to people. Oh, I grew up as a Christian. I'll never set foot in a church again. Why not? My mom got cancer when I was a kid. And I prayed every day for my mom to get healed. And God took her anyway. So forget that guy. What happened there? The natural process of cancer killed his mother, and he took offense at the fact that God didn't intervene and heal her. And sometimes to people who've experienced something like that, hearing testimonies of other people being healed isn't a fun thing. It's another slap in the face. God healed you. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Too bad he didn't do it for me. Too bad he didn't do it for my mom. So there are a lot of things that we could have taken offense at, maybe. Disappointments that we allowed to turn into something else, something stronger. Um, I'm not going to ask for any sharing or a show of hands or anything, but I'd like us to just pray and spend a minute just listening to the Lord and allow him to convict us if there's anything that we need to repent of. Does that sound okay? All right, so join me in prayer, and you can just agree with this prayer in your heart. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us now. We had our spiritual ears warmed up earlier today. And so we ask you that you would speak to us now. Is there any offense that we have taken against you that we need to repent of and let go of? So just listen if the Holy Spirit brings anything to your mind. So if the Lord has brought up anything to your mind, even if you're not totally sure whether or not you took up an offense or not, I encourage you to humble yourself and uh, just pray this prayer with me in your heart. 
Because even if there's a chance that you've taken up an offense, why not repent of it, right? Why not repent and let it go? And so, Father God, we thank you that you speak to us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing to us any offenses we have taken at you. Or maybe he revealed to you some offense you've taken against someone else. And Lord, we confess that we did that. We chose, maybe we didn't realize we were making the choice, but we chose to take that offense up and to put it in our heart. And Lord, we confess that to you. We repent of that. It was wrong. It was wrong to take up offense at you. It was wrong to take up offense at that other person or that situation or that governor who told us we couldn't work or whatever it was. We confess that and we give it to you now in Jesus' name. And Father, we ask you to help us day by day to choose to still let that go and to forgive. This, this might not be a one and done thing. Anything to do with forgiveness obviously is, is usually a walk. It's a walk, we walk it out. And so Lord, help us to walk not in offense. Help us to continue to walk towards you, always towards you, but without carrying this other junk with us. And Lord, if we keep picking it up, I pray that you give us the strength to keep letting it go, to keep tossing it back, to not hang on to this offense and carry this junk around with us. You don't want that. You've already taken it at the cross anyway. And so Lord, we give it to you. Help us to walk into that forgiveness. And there is therefore now no condemnation on you. If you took up an offense and you confessed it and you let it go, you're not condemned. Even John the Baptist did that. And I know for sure we'll see him in heaven. So Lord, we ask you to continue to speak to us, to convict us where needed, to point out where we're making bad choices, even when we don't realize it. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. And I also say to you, as we took communion today, that your sins are forgiven, including any sins you just confessed or any sins you might confess tonight as you think about this more and the Holy Spirit brings something to your mind that says, ooh, I need to do that. Your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Uh, reminder, lunch next week. Bring some food if you want. Bring a friend. Bring an enemy. Yes. Just speak up a little bit. I think the, ta the tape is done. but. <laughs>